Blog Talk Radio. If it's smooth jazz, then the jazz queen is talking about it on Talking Smooth Jazz. Your place for all things smooth. Artist Nicholas Cole. Vincent Ingala. Jonathan Fritzen. And news with the smoothest show on the internet radio. Your host, the Jazz Queen. And the ever so handsome Mike Reynolds. <laughs> Welcome to Talking Smooth Jazz. My name is Terry, a.k.a. The Jazz Queen. It is Thursday, August 22nd, 2013. Welcome to the show. If you would like to join us in the chat room, please go to our brand new website, TalkingSmoothJazz.com, and click on Randy's picture, and that will bring you into the chat room. The phone number is 646-716-5485, Um, Our guest this evening is saxophonist Randy Scott. He is the newest um, artist assigned with the Trippin' and Rhythm label. And uh, welcome to the show, Randy. Thank you so much. Thank you, Terry and Mike, for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's my pleasure. So I received a uh, request from a Twitter follower um, to have you on the show. On Twitter, he oh. goes by Sockbert. Um Nice. But his uh, yeah, his name is is Sean, and he requested that we have you on the show. So well, thank you so again. much. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so again, welcome. All right, so thank Randy's you. latest CD is called Ninety Degrees at Midnight, and when I saw that title, Randy, I thought you had to have been in Vegas when you um, named that CD because it wow. can be ninety degrees at midnight here in Vegas. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I was actually in Miami. And I was I was on the strip and I and I was at a little cafe and just the vibe of the city that late at night. It was almost midnight and I'm not really a night owl. I'm I'm more of a morning person. But I was out and man, it was just the, the liveliness of the street and you heard this Latin music in the background and it just seemed like it was mid afternoon instead of midnight. And it was it was hot outside and I said, you know what, I really would like to capture that whole vibe on my record, and out came 90 Degrees at Midnight. All right, and Sockbert <laughs> just came into the chat room. Welcome, Sockbert. Um, I had just mentioned to Randy that your Twitter request um, to have Randy on the show, so I'm glad you had the opportunity to, to uh, join in and listen, so welcome. Okay, so... Um, I looked at a uh, the inside look video of the making of 90 Degrees at Midnight. Um, really nice video, and I'm glad to see Thank that more artists are doing this. Yeah, I, I really wanted to uh, give people that, who, who listen to my music an inside view of, of the process, you know, and it's, it's a lot of times people don't realize all that goes into doing a record, and it's very, very complex, very time-consuming, and, um, you know, it was just really fun to do. Well, um, I have to tell you that you are rocking the hat on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> you are rocking Thank this you. hat, man. <laughs> Thank you so much. I, I appreciate that. I'm not a hat wearer, but I decided for this record I was going to try to become one. <laughs> very nice, very nice. And even in Thank your... Um, in the video itself, you know, you you showed a little bit of the photo shoot, but it wasn't enough, yeah. you know. It didn't yeah. last that long, but it was a nice little photo shoot um, nonetheless. Yeah. All right. Welcome, Lori, to the chat room. Uh, glad to have you here. Uh, for those of you in the chat room, if you have a question for Randy, please post that, and I will get that to him. Again, the number is 646-716-5485. So, um, I listened to the CD and I liked what I've heard so far. Thanks. Really nice, yeah, very nice. So let's start with your background, Randy. How is it that sure. you came to play saxophone? Well, you know, my mother was a really big fan of Grover Washington Jr. and um, she had every record he had ever recorded. 
And, mm-hmm. and when I was about nine years old, she encouraged me, heavily encouraged me to play the saxophone because of him. And um, what happened was she took me to a concert, and I was living outside of Philadelphia at the time, and that hooked me. As soon as I saw him and heard the the audience's response and saw his interaction musically with the rest of the band, I said, that's exactly what I want to do. And uh, so I I picked it up, never put it down since. But the the nice part about it is I got an opportunity to meet him. Mm -hmm. And from the age of 12 all the way up until his passing, we became really, really good friends. And he he whenever he was anywhere in the same city that I was in, he'd have me on stage, and he was just a really great mentor and a really good friend, and I I miss him dearly. So he's he's oh. a strong reason why I uh, continue to play and and do today. I saw the picture of you two together. How old were you when you met him? Uh, I was twelve when I met him. Wow. I can't remember when that photo was taken, but I was 12 years old when I when I met him. And what was that experience like? You meeting your, you know, somebody well, that you influenced know, you uh, that way. All at that at that time, without dating myself too badly, everybody <laughs> was into Prince and Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. I was into Brooke Washington Jr. <laughs> I mean, he mm-hmm. to me, he was he was uh, on that level of musicianship and that level of stardom to me, you know, uh, as a, as a musician. So for me to meet him, it was just like meeting Michael Jackson or Prince or Stevie Wonder. Um, so I, I'll never, ever forget that. And that first encounter, I was so nervous. <laughs> and it was a, it was a, um, Red Cross commercial that, uh, the, the shoot, I got an opportunity, I got straight A's on my report card one year. And my dad took me to this, uh, Red Cross commercial shoot that he was doing, and something happened, and he ended up using my my horn in the commercial. And from that moment on, we were really good friends. Wow, mm. that's so sweet. And where were you when when you heard of his passing? Uh, here in Mich, I, I'm I'm actually in um, outside of Detroit, Michigan. Currently is where I live, and um, I was here. Um, and in fact, I want to say my mother told me that he was on Good Morning America, and that was the mm-hmm. the uh, show on which he passed. But um, it, it was just devastating for me because, like I said, in, a, in addition to being my mentor, he was a friend. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, it was it was really sad. Hmm. Well, I'm glad you had the opportunity to meet with him. Um, you know, that's great. That's awesome. All right. So now um, for the CD, 90 Degrees at Midnight, t- uh, t- walk us through the process. Um, oh, okay. Sockbert has a question. Let me give his question. Sure. He wants to know if you have any plans for shows near Huntsville, Alabama at any point. Not much of a scene here, so I'm guessing no. It's all hip-hop and country in these parts. <laughs> oh, man. You know what? That's, it's so sad to hear that. Um, and, but thank you so much for asking. And I I currently don't have uh, Huntsville on the calendar, but that's not to say that I won't be there soon. Um Especially when the new record comes out, because I'm going to be planning a a, a pretty big tour. Um, so hopefully, hopefully within the next year, sometime within 2014, uh, I'm hoping. Because I, I mean, I absolutely love the South, and I would love to get there, especially places that don't um, that are missing jazz. You know, unfortunately, we're missing it here in Detroit because they pulled our smooth jazz station from uh, FM mm-hmm. radio. And it's, I mean, there's a huge market for it, especially because it's no longer on the radio. People just love it and can't get enough of it. So whenever there is a concert, it's normally sold out. So I, I would mm-hmm. love to, uh, to bring that, to bring that back to, uh, to Huntsville. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, one of the things I liked about the video uh, was seeing that the musicians were in the studio, you know, and that you recorded this CD live. So tell us some, a little bit about some of the musicians you worked with. Uh, well, I've 
I've used a lot, lots of different people. I've got a stable of musicians that I um, that I use not only here and outside of Detroit where I am, but all over the country. I've managed to make some really good friends um, who are outstanding musicians uh, in various cities. And so, the way that technology has taken us with um, with recording music now, I can I can literally do everything um here at my I have a studio at my home I do it here I can send those wave files to LA or to New York and call up one of my buddies and say I need some guitar on this he can put it in his system because of the um compatibility uh with the technology and bring it up add the guitar send the guitar file back to me and then I can mix it add it to the mix so it's it's really a convenient um, thing that technology has brought us, so it allows me to work with people all over. So um, some of the musicians that um, that I've been working with are really accomplished. They play with many big name uh, artists. Um, I have a, a keyboardist here. I, I play keys as well, so the majority of the keys on the record uh, were me. But I have a, a a keyboardist here named Demetrius Neighbors, who's phenomenal. He won an international competition and and all of that. And I've got a, several different bases that I use. But what I do is select the musician based on their style and based on the flavor or the sound of the song that I'm working on. So mm-hmm. in other words, if I if I'm doing a, um, a straight ahead kind of a, a sound to a, a song, straight ahead or or a, a fusion song, I might have one particular player in mind as opposed to one who's doing more of the smooth jazz or R&B thing. So it just depends on the style and the flavor of the music, which determines who I use. <clears throat> okay. All right. Now, you, um, <clears throat> I read a story um, about your when you were in uh, junior high school, you changed your major to music, and you had mentioned that you also play piano, but um, in order to graduate, you had to learn all of the instruments. Yeah, this was in, in college, and I went mm-hmm. to, uh, I was there on a, a classical music scholarship at Michigan State, and um, was a performance major, and it, it dawned on me in my junior year, okay, what if I don't really make it as a... Uh, professional musician is anyone going to hire me with a music performance degree and so i decided very late in the game to change my major to music education just to have um something to fall back on and for many many years i fought teaching i didn't want to do it um but kept getting put in teaching situations both from the from the um, elementary level all the way up through college and i've taught pretty much every grade all the way through college and discovered that I actually loved it. And uh, I am continuing to teach. I've been teaching for 20 years. But in addition to teaching, I'm also doing a full-time career as a professional musician. So it it worked out, but it is very, very time-consuming and stressful sometimes just trying to manage mm-hmm. that balancing act. Oh. How many instruments did you have to learn how to play? Uh, everything except for guitar. So all of the wind instruments, all of the string instruments, um, but not, um, when I say string instruments, I mean um, violin, cello, bass, viola, uh, and all the wind instruments, percussion, everything well enough to be able to teach it, which is a requirement oh. of that degree. And a lot of people don't realize this. I mean, being a music major is it's no joke. It's very, very uh, difficult, <laughs> to say the least. Well, you got through it. So I that's got through a good it. thing. Yeah. <laughs> now, 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 being a music major and 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 being able to play these different instruments, have you took to uh, playing any of these instruments on stage at one of your concerts? Uh, not so much on stage as, um, but I have done so quite a bit in the studio. Um, when I first started, um getting in my own production company I started doing a lot of commercials and the commercials were various styles of music from classical to country to R&B and hip hop and all of that 
and some of those commercials required, you know, that I play, say, Clarence. I did a hamburger helper commercial, for example, and it had to be this country sound. So I put clarinet and banjo and <laughs> guitar and all these odd instruments that I don't normally play. So in those kind of situations, I do, but... You know, I don't like to confuse the uh, my audience. I'm a saxophone player. <laughs> mm-hmm. And those other instruments, even though I can play them, they're not what I do best. So I wouldn't feel very comfortable on stage playing um, violin or cello or anything like that. <laughs> now, I, I ask that question because I know that a lot of artists that are multi-instrumentalists, uh, they do most of their studio work, you know, doing that, but... You mentioned Prince earlier, and I know sometimes mm-hmm. he's known to get up on the drums or something like that and, you know, rock out on one of his concerts. So I just now, I ask you. I'll tell you this. I did do I did it one time, and it, and it, I probably should do it again. But and let me tell you how it happened. We uh, the band that I was playing with, each one of us in the band played several different instruments. So we decided on a on a very big show that we were going to switch instruments. <laughs> Two to three times. I think we did. We switched three times. It was and the audience went nuts. So, you know, the bass player went to the drums. The drummer went to the keyboards. Actually, no, the drummer went to something else, and I went to the keyboards. So it it was just something, and we switched like two or three times, and the audience went nuts. So that really added something to the show. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> finding finding an entire band that. Um, plays all those different instruments is a challenge. So that, that's part of the reason I haven't done it since. <laughs> mm. <laughs> now, speaking of bands, I read that you have, you know, a band um, on the on both coasts and then a band overseas, just, you know, depending mm-hmm. on where you're playing. Um, right. How do you manage to, um, you know, get everybody together and, and have all these bands in different places? Uh, well, first, the... The one re- the first reason that I do that, and a lot of a lot of musicians are doing that now, is is to cut down on costs. So mm-hmm. it takes care of the expense of flying an entire band from, say, Michigan where I am, all the way to L.A. or to Las Vegas. Um, if I have a band that's already located on the West Coast, which I do, I'll call up. Um, in this case, the, it's a drummer that lives in L.A. Her name is Benita Lewis. And I, and and um, she she would serve as my music director, so I'd send her all of my music uh, charts as well as MP3s. She'd get them out to the band members. She'd even rehearse them maybe two or three times, and then when I'd fly in, we'd do a quick rehearsal and then do the hit. And uh, that's basically how it would work with each of the bands, um, depending on where they are. Okay. All right, I have yeah, a. Uh, that, well, before we get into the CD, I know that you, um, you know, you're signed to Rhythm, and I know that before you got signed with them, you went to Dubai to the Dubai Jazz Festival, and I want <laughs> to know how was that experience, and you know, knowing that you know you were not signed, but some, you know, they were kind of looking. Right. Well, I tell you, the 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 way that I caught their attention, I I um, produced uh, a good portion of Tim Bowman's. Um, record and it went number one and he was signed to Trippin and it kind of caught their attention they started asking about me Um, then they asked me to go to Dubai and I've got to tell you (laughs) this is crazy you probably won't believe this but uh, I had a a layover in Dubai I mean in uh, Amsterdam to get to Dubai so I got pickpocketed in Amsterdam (laughs) Going on my way to Dubai, I got pickpocketed in Amsterdam. So I was already stressed enough, but to have no wallet going into <sighs> Dubai was crazy. But fortunately, the record label just took care of everything. I didn't even need to take out a wallet if I had one. So um, that was really nice. So the show, they had been playing my music there for a while, so the show was packed. I mean, there's so many people, and then and everything went really well in Dubai. I just love it. It's just, it's awesome. It's an awesome place. But coming home, I had to go back through Amsterdam to get home. So if you recall, there's uh, the underwear Christmas Day bomber 
flew from Detroit. I mean, flew from Amsterdam to Detroit, and that's when he yeah. tried to set off that bomb. Well, they had they had caught him. You know, all that went down, but they were really on high alert in Amsterdam to prevent this from happening again. So we, I go through five different uh, metal detectors and checkpoints. So after the fifth one, and I'm I'm pretty much the last person coming through. The whole plane had already been through. They're sitting in a waiting area before getting on the plane, watching me come through the last metal detector. Everybody's watching me. So I come through. The detector didn't go off, but the guy frisked me really well. I had a business card in my back pocket. And the corner of it, I, I suppose, poked him a little bit. He says, ah, something shocked me, which is like saying I have a bomb. <laughs> if all these officers come out, they grab me up, and and mind you, I'm Tim Bowman was also traveling with me. He had already been through, all right. So he's watching me as well, and um, so they frisk me up, and he's they they take me. Actually, they didn't take me away. Um, they pulled a black curtain around me. Mind you, the whole plane is watching this. Black curtain around me. They strip search me. They cavity searched me. What? <laughs> and, and then they let me go. Dang. And, and I had three major emotions in less than five minutes. The first was sheer fear because I thought he was planting something on me because I knew I had nothing mm. to stop Second emotion was I wanted to punch him in his neck because he just violated me. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm never getting home. I won't see my kids again. <laughs> and then the third emotion was just sheer embarrassment because every eye was on me the entire trip thereafter. You know, so when they let me go and I get through, Tim Bowman is sitting there cracking up laughing. <laughs> and I'm, I mean, I'm just so distraught. I'm violated. I'm so upset. He's cracking up. So, uh, you know, we're on the plane. This is 19-hour plane ride or whatever, 16 hours. And every time I get up to do anything, everybody's looking at me like, oh, that's the one right there. That's, that's there he is. Keep an eye on it. <laughs> wow. So that, that's my Dubai story. But I tell you what, Dubai itself and my experience there was awesome. But it was just something about Amsterdam. I don't know. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Fuck, you had to go through that, but <laughs> but it makes wow. for a great story. I tell you. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. And there's another great story that I'm going to ask you to share um, mm-hmm. in a few minutes about the um, Showtime at a, at the Apollo. Oh, oh, I yeah. read that story and I was like, okay, but yeah, I'll <laughs> definitely have you share that one. But I'm going to get to some music um, okay. first. Um, the first song I want to play is Torch, and this is a favorite of mine on the CD. Tell me about this. Which one is that? Torch. Oh, Touch. Oh, Touch. I'm sorry. Yeah, Touch. Um, touch is a song. It, you know what? Touch is for the grown and sexy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It, it's just it's just one of those romantic songs. The title says it all. You know, you really don't have to <laughs> say much about it. It's called Touch, and it's just a one of them sultry, sexy songs that um, I wrote one night along with um, uh, my keyboardist, Demetrius Neighbors, and, you know, it, it it's just one of them R&B, sultry, sexy songs. <laughs> mm. All right, this is Touch from Randy Scott's 90 Degrees at Midnight CD.
Scott's CD, 90 Degrees at Midnight. Who's on the um, guitar? Uh, oh, wow. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> um, <laughs> I use so many different people. I want to say, it, I, I think that was Brett Farkas. He lives mm-hmm. in, in L.A. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, very nice. I stamped that jazz sexy. Very nice. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Um, I'd like to read um, a review from the smoothjazzride.com. Ronald Jackson says, "This album contains uh, some of the finer elements of a jazz of jazz as a whole. Good phrasing, creative sax runs, classiness, classiness, and a sassy feel that sets it apart from your run-of-the-mill tunes in other genres." It's clear that Scott takes his jazz seriously. Along with formal training, he possesses that intangible element that gives all good artists their signature edge. Kudos to Trippin' and Rhythm for continuing to sign quality in the form of artists like Randy Scott. Well, praise God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is nice. That's really nice. So um, I wanted you to share the um, Showtime at Apollo story. <laughs> Yeah, um, I was at Michigan State and uh, was doing several different shows around campus. And one of those shows happened to feature um, Sinbad, the comedian. And um, at the time, he was the host of Showtime at the Apollo in New York. So I uh, opened the show. It went really, really well. We got to meet and talk and he invited me to um, to go out to the show. And unlike Star Search, which was also happening at that time, and unlike American Idol and these other big shows, um, they did not supply uh, transportation and lodging. So as a college student with no money, I had to figure out how I was going to get to New York and do this show. So I, what I did was... Um, it was it was around Valentine's Day, and I put up flyers around campus that said uh, you can buy a song performed live for your sweetheart for Valentine's Day for five dollars. And I hung them up all around campus, and I had my little boombox radio and my and my horn, and I had a little schedule set up. People would call, and I had the schedule set up, and the schedule actually filled up way beyond my expectations. So, um, and also because I was a poor college student, I had no car. So I'm with this radio and my instrument walking around campus as big as Michigan State is and um, going to each dorm room and doing playing a song for $5. And at the time, it snowed really bad, so I'm struggling through the snow. And um, But lo and behold, I raised the money, got to New York, stayed with a cousin that I had had not really met, and uh, I get to the show, and um, they actually were taping three shows in one day, all back-to-back, and I didn't know this, and they wanted you to have a different song for each show, should you win. They also wanted you to have a different outfit or change of clothes, and I had none of that because I didn't know that they were doing that. So I said that to the producer when I got there. He said, oh, don't worry about it because you're not going to win anyway. So <laughs> as if I wasn't scared enough. So uh, so anyway, I, I ended up winning uh, the three shows. And, um, of course, right after that third show, that, that producer was back over to me like he didn't say any of that. But mm-hmm. it was it was it was um it was a terrifying experience <laughs> because uh most of what you see on television in terms of booze and and things it's about fifty times worse in real life, mm. and um they do a lot of editing and so forth to edit some things out, so you don't really get to see exactly what happens but um it was probably the most nervous I've ever been in my life. I can't even believe I got through the song because I was shaking so bad. And my goal was not to win but to not get booed. Mm. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, it, um, I actually ended up getting my first record deal offer um, from a division of Warner Brothers or 
some rep that they had, and um, it was for a, a significant signing bonus. Um, and uh, I, my my father had an attorney look at the contract and actually turn the deal down for me. And it, we're talking, I mean, thousands and thousands, close to or over $90,000 contract signing bonus. And at the time, I did not understand, and I was upset. But then come to find out, they wanted um, like 98% of my publishing, which is where all the money flows through and so forth. So it was actually a blessing in disguise that I didn't mm. didn't do that. Mm-hmm. But that was my that was my uh, that was my experience with the Apollo. I loved it and hated it at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a couple of those shows. The audience can be brutal. Brutal is an understatement, but they will let they will definitely let you have it if they don't like you. <laughs> That's just New York people, you know. New York people are just known to be rude anyway. So. Yeah, but I love them though, cause uh, they 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 help me. <laughs> <laughs> and you won all three shows, so that that says a lot. You know, well, that says a lot. You. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. All right, so Anthony Ford just came into the chat room, and he had posted a comment um, that I was going to say to you, but then I said, well, why don't you just call in and tell him yourself? So he's going to call in, and while I wait for him to call in, I'm going to play another song. Um, This next song uh, I'm going to play is called Kisses. Tell me about this one. Yeah, um, it's actually, it's called Seven Kisses. And what's unique about this song is it's it's for anybody that's a musician out there it's written in seven four so it's uh you know most songs are written in four four uh time signature, which means you can easily bob your head to it it's just one two three four one two three four well this song is written in seven four, so it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So it's kind of an odd meter and it's different. It's really different. Um but at the same try- time we tried to make it still sexy. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so um that's that's the whole vibe of this song. It, it I wanted it to be a sexy song, but at the same time I wanted it to be musically interesting and challenging somewhat. Okay. All right. Anthony, welcome to Talking Smooth Jazz. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing hey, well. Anthony, how, how are, are you? you? Hey, how's it going? Good. Good to hear from you, Anthony. Yeah, good to hear from you, Randy. How's everything? Very good. Very good. Good. The album is great. You know, Thanks. I got to hear it since I think I got it from you a couple months ago. And it's probably the only thing I listen to in my car. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So tell I, him like what I, you posted I, in the chat room. Well, I posted in the chat room. I told her, I said, you know, I learned everything from Randy. The reason I'm a music major now is because back in high school, I was a senior, and I thought I was going to go into engineering. And I met Randy at a band concert at our local high school, well, at my high school, and he was over and. I got to talk to him, and we got to talking about recording and music and publishing and that sort of thing. I thought, wow, you know, I can go into music as a career. I never thought that, you know, before I met Randy. I just thought it was something you accidentally got into or, you know, somebody saw you play somewhere. And then I learned, you know, you can actually go to school and learn music. So that's what I've been doing since I met Randy is going to school and learning music and the business of recording. Wow. Well, thank you, Anthony. I appreciate you saying that. Hey, thank you, Randy. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you, Anthony, for the call. Yeah. Wow. That was a very right. good call. Mm-hmm. Now, yes. now, Randy, to follow up on that as well, I know that you teach in, uh, you were teaching in middle school, and you also work with at-risk youth. Uh, could you tell us how that happened and, and how is that going? Because, you know, a lot of kids, they need uh you know, mentorship and, and, and music is a way to kind of get them, keep them off the streets and, and have them like that young man. You know, a lot of kids right. know they can make a career out of that, you know. That, absolutely. Um, you know, part of the reason why I decided to remain in teaching and, and um, you know, really try to to, to mentor is, is because I feel like it's it's a calling, 
for me from from God. You know, it's my way of um, of ministering without actually preaching, just in the way that I carry myself and the way that um, I try to help other people. And so, um, in addition to teaching, I got involved with an organization called Don Bosco Hall uh, here in Detroit, and it's at-risk youth. Uh, some of them are either homeless or in trouble, um, that, that kind of thing. And, you know, I, I started doing that maybe 15 years ago or so. And uh, the first time that I went, there were there were two other speakers uh, that were going to speak to the kids before I went on, and they got heckled. And, I, I you know, I, immediately I, I, I got nervous because, you know, you, you can't uh, – and you can't let them know that you're nervous. So what I thought was, I said, I, I'm going to think of something that that's going to grasp their attention and and hold them. And so what I said to them when I when it was my turn, I said, listen, I said, I'm here uh, on my own will. I'm not getting paid for this. I'm here to help you. So you're going to listen to me. And I said, and if you do that, um, we're going to make a deal. I said, anybody that gets really really good grades gets very good reports from their social workers and does all the right stuff and stays out of trouble. I said, um, and I'm getting ahead of myself. What I first said was, how many of you want to be in music? And almost every hand went up. So I said, all right, if you do all those things, stay out of trouble. I said, I will, um, the person that stands out amongst all of you as far as doing doing well, I said, I'll do a song on you in the studio. And I said, if you continue to really do well and you show some promise, we may even do a full record. And I said, you know, I, I went through the whole breakdown of how much it costs to do a record. A lot of people don't know. You know, you buy, you pay nine ninety nine on iTunes for a record, and you don't realize that it, it took somebody $50,000 to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's basically what the cost is. You know, even with um, with me having my own studio, and doing everything myself, I still spend twenty five thousand uh, dollars to mm. record a record, and that's on a low budget. So um, I, I shared that with them, and I said, "If you stand out, I said I'm going. I'm willing to do this for you for free, and from beginning to end, from the concept of the music to recording you to putting all the music behind you to the packaging of it and everything. And and that's how I." I kind of gained their attention and and respect because I actually followed through with what I said I was going to do. And um, so it, it's been really rewarding. And then to have somebody come up to me years later and say, you know, I listened to you when you told me, uh, when you shared your story with me and you told me what I needed to do as far as staying in school and keeping my grades up, it just made an impact on me. So I've been doing it and try to do that kind of thing. Um, Continuously. I also read um, where you said that um, some of the, your students will come up to you and say that they wish you were their father. Are these the same students? Uh, no, these are these are my actual students. Um, okay. And uh, the students that I teach in in public school, and that okay. that that's the whole reason I'm still there because I I was mm-hmm. going to leave um, some years ago, and then to have them. S- somebody say that to you it just pulls at your heartstrings to the mm-hmm. point where you can't go <laughs> it's like you you just can't go you know um because you don't know i don't know uh you know how how big of an effect that i have on somebody else's life you know and i really feel because of that this is where god wants me right now mhm mhm so i try to wow. do the balancing act and and still teach and and do music full time Mm, great story. All right, uh, phone call, area code 623. Welcome to Talking Smooth Jazz. Hi, Randy. This is Lori Gardner. Hi, Lori. How are you? Hi, I'm good. I just wanted to tell you I was so happy to meet you back in Seabreeze. Yeah, I remember. I remember. You remember. Okay. And, yeah, that was the only concert I think I've been to where I sat there drenched. I mean, it Poured down rain. <laughs> yes, it and did. And I didn't even care. I'm like, I've got to see these guys play, and I was really happy that I did. It was a wonderful concert. 
Thank you. So Terry, I just so you know, I, I met Lori when I was I was playing for um Tim Bowman at the Seabreeze Jazz Festival in Florida. Mm-hmm. And uh it got it was as she said, was a huge downpour and I couldn't believe the number of people it was it was still a packed crowd, you know, even in the rain. So so Lori, I thank you so much for sticking it out with us that day. <laughs> oh, it was fantastic, and and I had to leave after your show. I wanted to see foreplay because I've never seen them live, but I was drenched. I was like, you know what, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> I went home and took a shower and put on new clothes. I've never been that drenched ever, but wow. it was worth every minute of it. Um, are you ever gonna make it out to the West Coast? I'm sure I will. Uh, it it's not on the calendar yet, but there, you know, once I get this new record out. I'll yep. have um, the the entire calendar book will be on my website, which for for anyone listening who doesn't know, it's um, randyscottonline.com. Um, so it'll definitely be there. Uh, hopefully, and ho- uh, hopefully I'll be there in 2014 for sure. Fantastic! All right, great. I'll be picking up your new CD. I look forward to it. Cool. Thanks, Lori. All right. Take care. Okay. Thanks, Lori. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Um, Randy, I wanted to ask you about uh, the te- your teaching at the Bernie Middle School. I saw a picture of you um, conducting the student orchestra, mm-hmm. uh, and that you guys are, are like crazy winners of, of yeah. awards and stuff. Yeah, congratulations yeah. on that. How, that that's Thank awesome. You. Thank you. Yeah, they. Um, you know, the the most rewarding thing, other than just affecting live young lives is um taking a student who doesn't know a single note you know when they come to me in 6th grade they don't even know what instrument they want to play mm-hmm. and taking them from that in just you know a year or two to winning these national competitions that they've been winning for the past 15 or 16 years now and um and and Literally, they've they've beaten up to eleven to twelve high schools at each competition, mm-hmm. so it's it's really rewarding to see that you know, and I, I'm just I'm grateful for that experience. What do you think is the most important lesson you've taught your students? <laughs> the most important lesson I've taught my students is um, to be professional, and you know I often they. Oftentimes they ask me, "Why, Mrs. Scott, why do you come to school dressed in a suit every day, when you don't have to, and a lot of teachers don't dress up?" And I say, and I say to them, um, because I want you to see what it is to be a professional, um, a professional black man who carries himself well, mm-hmm. and um, who puts. Actually, I, I didn't say this, but I wanted to, but and I was going to say, and puts God first. But mm-hmm. um, and and that's just something that I try to um, to demonstrate through my actions rather than the words. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. just to be professional, and I tell you know because we we talk a lot about being you know how to hold your instrument professionally, how to walk out on stage professionally, how to um, be professional in in terms of practicing and all of that. So um, that that would be the one thing. Okay. All right. Now, um, aside from Showtime at the Apollo, um, if you had a chance to do one thing over in your career, what would it be? Hmm. That's a great question. And the reason is because I I thought of that question on my own um, not long ago. And um, my, my immediate answer, I'm not even sure if this is the the right answer for me, but um, I studied uh, classical, I was a a classical music major in college, and oftentimes I think about what it would, how it would affect me if I had chosen to be a jazz uh, major rather than a classical major, Mm -hmm. Uh, because even though jazz is what I do, it is my livelihood, um, I'm always trying to strive to be better than I am, and I oftentimes wonder if I had done it differently, would I have been better <laughs> at this mm-hmm. point? 
Um, but at the same time, I chose to be in classical because of the advice of Grover Washington Jr., believe it or not. Even though he was a, that was his thing was jazz, he told me, he said, whatever you do, do not put down the classical thing because that's your foundation as far as technique, as far as uh, tone development, intonation, the, all the fundamental things that, you know, because if you can you can play all the notes in the world, but if you don't sound good, nobody wants to hear that. And that's what classical music does for you. It d- develops your sound. So I, I don't, um, that's why I say I don't know if it was, if it's a good thing or not to um, second guess myself because that those were, that was his advice. And I, and at the same time, you know, I've, I've attained a level of success that, um, just doing it that way anyway, so. Okay. So, um, Sockbert, um, <laughs> He says, so Randy went to Michigan State. I'd like to thank the Spartans for honing the talents of both Randy Scott and Nick Sabani, Sab- Sabin. Nick Sabin. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to close the show with Seven Kisses, but I wanted to ask you, uh, go back to the video. Um, you mentioned in the video about how you, how the songs get on your CD. Mm-hmm. Um, can you share that? Sure. Um, the songs get on my CD like this. I I write um, maybe 50 to 60 songs. Some of them may not be songs in totality, but um, or they may just be a verse and a chorus. But I write about 50 or 60 songs and. Um, some of the songs though I put I complete and I spend I I've had several songs where I spent you know over two three days on or weeks on um, but what happens is I have my wife come down in the studio and um, I ask her to rate them on a scale from one to ten and she's although she's a true music lover she's not a musician or vocalist. Um, she's a doctor, completely different field, but mm-hmm. she represents to me the general public and the general listener, and so that's why her opinion is so important to me. Uh, not only that, but be, but because she tells me like it is. So if she doesn't like something, she will tell me, and mm-hmm. that's what I that's what I need. So if the song doesn't get a nine or a ten, then it goes in a a folder or the trash can on my computer. <laughs> and and so yeah, that, and and she's really tough. She's really tough because I mean that's a lot of that's a lot of music, fifty or sixty songs, and to only pick ten is um, you know I I had to work for those ten that I got. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and that's where I'm at now. I'm um I'm actually on song number twenty I think right now, and I don't like any of them. <laughs> so and I don't even I don't even share them with her until they pass my own approval. But um you know, that's that's kind of my process. Okay. I thought that was really interesting, so that's why I wanted <laughs> you to share that. Sure. All right. Okay, Mike, you have uh any more questions? Um, no, that's about it. Just basically I guess, you know well, being from Detroit or outside of Detroit you know, you guys, music scene is starting to really come up as far as uh, contemporary jazz. Uh, how do you feel about the, um, you know, the momentum swing with everything kind of leaning upward toward the jazz scene in Detroit? And, um, uh, yeah, that's about it, I guess. Well, uh, it, it's all good. You know, I'm I, i um, I'm grateful for every opportunity. And um, it's really good that, we still have some serious jazz lovers here in this city and 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 it's really good to make people feel good too because especially in light of all that Detroit has been through I don't know if you follow the news here but we've been through a lot you know and to make mm-hmm. people feel good at the end of a week on a Friday night in an outdoor concert this summer it is it, it makes me feel good so to have that momentum swing um in the favor of jazz is is a good thing, but you know we could always use more. Starting with a new station, yeah. So it, I think when we get that station going, then it it'll get even better. Is there something in the works? 
To my knowledge, I don't. I honestly don't know. Okay. <laughs> I honestly don't know. I hope so, but I, I okay. really believe that something will come up. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, thank you, Randy, for this opportunity, and thank you, Sockbert, for um, asking, uh, requesting Randy to be on the show. I appreciate it. Thank and, you. And um, where are you headed next, Randy? Um, I've got a few concerts locally, but I've mainly I've actually turned down a few out of state performances um in the coming months, um and mainly to uh get this new school year started but also to get this new record underway because mm-hmm. it, it just takes a lot of time. So I've I'm not um I'm not going out for a little while, probably not until um probably not until uh December, January maybe. Oh, okay. Okay. All right, then. Well, I appreciate you um, giving Mike and I the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you again. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate you having me. Uh, It's our pleasure. All right. That was uh, Randy Scott. His CD is called 90 Degrees at Midnight. You can find that on randyscottonline.com. Follow him on Twitter at randyscott4 and on Facebook. All right, Mike, do you have anything to add? Um, no, that's it. Like I said, uh, Randy Scott, you know, he's a, a good saxophonist. You know, he's coming from the uh, Motown town up in Detroit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, brother, yeah. brother got it. So definitely check it out when you guys get it. You know, Yeah, great love. CD. Yeah, I Thank enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to the new one. Thank you. You're welcome, Randy. All right, you've been listening to Talking Smooth Jazz with your host, Jazz Queen. And Mike Reynolds. And we look forward to talking smooth jazz with you again next time. Thanks to Lori, Sockbert, and Anthony and the guests for tuning in. This is Seven Kisses from 90 Degrees at Midnight. Good night.
Thank you for listening to Talking Smooth Jazz. Please visit our websites, TalkingSmoothJazz.com and Mastermind-Entertainment.com. Join our Facebook fan and group pages and follow us on Twitter at Jazz underscore Queen and The Daily Grind. That's T-H-A Daily Grind.